0: Hello, this is Eddie Ojeda from Twisted Sister, and you're watching us live on Vicky Abelson's *The Road Taken* in New York City.
1: Woohoo! You did that good, Eddie. All right, so um, so we're live in New York, as Eddie said, and we've we've got we're in my mother's den because because it's the, a cool place. we know studio in New York, and wow, this must look really good, right? No, oh <laughs> no, how about that? No, that? <laughs> no. No, it's awful. That's the best to forget.
0: How, That's a French well,
1: how about that? Okay. That's better. Okay. okay. No, Eddie's in the dark now. That's not good. No? There's a beam of light like that. Okay. Eddie, come closer. So anyway, so we're, we're in York. Oh, God. We're, we're, <laughs> so, all right, we're in the dark. Is he, does he look dark? Kind of, but you can see. Uh, a, little dark. a little dark so all right so I don't know what to do about this all right this is a very professional operation as I say every time but uh, I'm post the red-eye I was on the red-eye from uh, Samantha and I just flew from New York we did women who write in New York yesterday right. and came straight out uh, in New York? No, New in LA. York, LA. I'm so right. confused. See, because I have—I'm a mess.
0: To
1: so, I'm a mess. <laughs> so, all right. So, so we were in in LA. So, okay. So then we fly to New York, and so last night at the airport, I'm sitting. We're sitting across from this guy, waiting for the plane, waiting for a JetBlue flight. This is this lighting is no good. No, that's so bad. Okay. So this <laughs> is this is. You're just going to have to imagine that we're here. Just listen to the sound of our voices move it further because it's too harsh. There you go. Okay, so we're getting on the flight to New York, and um, I'm sitting across from this guy and I say, I know that guy, and I recognized him, and it turns out his name is um, Sam McMurray, and I said, okay, do we know each other personally? And then Samantha recognized him because he was Chandler's dad on Friends. Boss. Boss, right. Right. Chandler's boss on Friends. And she rec- remembered all the episodes that he was on. And, she, so we, and then we start chatting with him. And so we're chatting away. Now we get up, and then somebody walks over to him and says, I recognize you. Hi, I'm Bud Court. Bud Court is from Harold and Maude. Did you ever see Harold and Maude um, with Ruth Gordon? Yeah, yeah. Like the really young guy with the really old lady? Cute. Yes, fantastic classic movie, which Samantha had just seen for school. Well, actually, like last year or something. but. It's a classic movie, Fantastic. And so there was Bud and Fantastic. So we had like this incredible conversation. Now we get on the plane and this girl comes up to me and she said, weren't you at Michelle Bagley's party last Sunday? And I'm like, oh my God, this is like the best free flight I've ever had. We had all this great chit chat and all this good stories. It was really fun. So we took the red eye and slept minutes as you do on those things. And so that is why everything is just a little bit... Just a little bit off but anyway so we get so we get here to my mother's and normally my mother will say as I said yesterday in New York in LA I'm in New York now my mother usually will say so are you gonna wear every piece of jewelry that you've ever owned <laughs> so, so she didn't say that today she said no I didn't say that. she said don't you think it's time to maybe and she's she's doing it on herself don't you think it's time to maybe get rid of the you're looking a little baby you're looking a little baby Jane <laughs> Nice anyway so um, so we're, so we're in New York and um, Eddie had done uh, the road taken over the phone when I was in LA like a year ago last summer all right, all right. but the sound was was not good mm-hmm. and so now the picture won't be good. But we're gonna have great sound. No, I don't. The sound isn't gonna be so good. We're not even on a microphone. But I'm excited that Eddie is here. Eddie and I have known each other for like thirty,
0: 30 years. Thirty something. Thirty something years. Thirty something years. Since like
1: since we're not yes. gonna take it was first run. Yeah. <laughs> that's really scary. It's still going. And it's still yeah. that thing is like forty million hits on it. I was looking. it's, yeah. it's crazy. It's,
0: Paid a lot of bills.
1: It's <laughs> paid a lot of bills. And what's really amazing? What's uh, what's the most amazing thing to me about you is that you have been in the same band. I mean, with a little bit of time away. Yeah. But other than a little bit of time away, you've been in the same band for over forty years. Nobody
0: does that. Well forty years, exactly.
1: Forty years exactly. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, we had an eleven-year uh, span where we weren't together.
1: Okay. So. We're going to talk about that 11 years, but before we talk about, oh, and also, Eddie's been married to the same woman for how many years?
0: 40 years something, well, yeah, 40 years.
1: And, and married <laughs> to the same woman for all those years. What rock, what rock star can say that? There aren't many. There are many. Alice Cooper, maybe. He's been with the same woman a long time, right? I think so, yeah. But, I mean, that's unusual.
0: It is yeah. and it isn't. I mean, it depends on the people.
1: And, and you have kids. How, how many Three. kids?
0: Twin boys and uh twenty-five. Well, they just turned twenty-six and my daughter's twenty-nine and she's afraid to turn thirty, but <laughs> she can't wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's
1: no stopping that.
0: Yeah, so yeah, time flies.
1: Time flies. And okay, so 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 before we get to, to so and we're also gonna talk about hot sauce. We're gonna, we're gonna talk about Eddie Ojeda's hot sauce, oh, which is good. uh huh? <laughs> Uh, so we're going to talk about that, too. The boobs
0: honestly.
1: are optional. The boobs are the boobs <laughs> optional. Okay, so, all right, so, Eddie, you're a little kid. Do you know right away you want to be, what, what do you want to be when you grow
0: up? Uh, well, I just wanted to be a guitar player, singer, you know. Right The, the, the word rock star didn't exist then, you know. That's true. So I just, um, I just, a lot of people have said this, too, I think, you know, the Ed Sullivan show when the Beatles were on. I think that was like a life changing thing for a lot of people. And it's my age, you know. And did you already it's play, it's or did you
1: get? Did you it, learn? Did you start? I had already
0: playing? started playing, but oh. um, after that, I just, you know, I told my parents that's what I want to do. You know? So. And were they and, happy
1: about that decision?
0: Well, they laughed, you know. <laughs> I thought it was fun.
1: And who got the last laugh there? I did. Yeah.
0: But it was tough, you know. And it, it almost sounds cliche, but that moment time was, a lot of people went through that same change, life change, sort of made that decision. And you know, some some of us got lucky and some of us didn't, but it's not just luck, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, it wasn't easy.
1: Okay, so let's talk about how how, how did you do it? So did you take lessons? Were you self-taught?
0: What? I did both. I mean, I was self-taught and then I took, when I went to college, uh, You know, I, I had to... Uh, Audition for it, and they give you free lessons. So what,
1: what what college did you go to?
0: Bronx Community College.
1: And and you had to audition. You had to
0: audition. Playing. To did you have to
1: do like classical guitar? Or what did you have to do to well, audition? Well,
0: um, I sang and played, and they they gave me a choice. Like, do you want to be a singing major or a guitar major? So the first year I did the guitar thing because I wanted to learn some classical guitar. But um, I wish they would have showed. I mean, I love classical guitar, but. You know, it really required a lot of practice, and I just wanted to go back to my rock and roll roots, I mean, so. When you auditioned, what did you audition with? Do you remember? my songs. No kidding. Yeah, a song called Senorita Nose." Wow. Yeah, and. Uh, that says a lot, you
1: were just a kid.
0: Yeah, I was with a band called SPX. Uh-huh. We almost got signed too, with Don Kirshner, was gonna sign us the same time he signed Kansas. Wow. But then we, we broke up, and then, you know, I hooked up with, uh, John French and it was JJ mm-hmm. and I went to high school with him and you know Twisted Sister had broken up too there was another version of the band and he says hey I want to put the band back together you know we got a name
1: I saw a video from the original Twisted Sister D's not has no makeup on and I'm like who's that guitar who's that guy playing guitar that's not you
0: yeah yeah so it was um, so you know from that with the guitar lessons I, then one year the next year I just said I want to take voice lessons too so I got the best out of it you know I kind of Took voice one year and, and took guitar another. So, and you know, there were free lessons. So it was, uh, that's why you had to audition. The, you know, just couldn't get into the program unless you had the a, certain, a certain ability. Yeah. yeah. So I was lucky enough that they, you know, gave me a choice because they saw the way I could play. Because I, and even though I sang and just played, I did the solo by myself and no, you know, I just, and they were very impressed. And I was glad that they gave me that choice.
1: Well, they had uh, they had good taste, and they—I mean, clearly you had the
0: chops. I was a lot better (laughs) than.
1: All right, so so you do the college thing, so now right out of college, you're in Twisted Sister.
0: No, um, yeah, sort of right out of college, I sort of quit college, didn't really finish it.
1: Don't say that in front of my daughter, please. Oh, okay. Well, the (laughs) thing
0: was, the music thing was really taking over, you know. Yeah. Uh, And I just got. This is what I wanted to do.
1: So you're already in Twisted Sister, and you're in college.
0: Right. Well, after college, I sort of stopped. Because, you know, once we started playing, I couldn't. We started doing four or five nights a week. You know, I just said, I can't. This is what I'm going to do. I was just determined that, you know, there was no going back. I was going to become a recording artist. You know, I really was convinced that I was very driven. You know, when you're that age, then, you know, nothing's going to stop you if you really want something. I know some people don't do give up, but I just, that wasn't an option for me, so.
1: So there was no plan B?
0: No, there wasn't.
1: That, <laughs> no. I, I believe in no plan B.
0: There was kind of a no plan B. Like I said, well, I could always be a music teacher, you know.
1: So you know. Re- so you read and all of that? Yeah, I started,
0: I mean, my reading is not what it, you know, I started doing that in college, because you <laughs> had to, you know. Mm-hmm. But um.
1: So, when you started college, you didn't read? When
0: you no, no, I learned how to read wow. in college. Wow. Which was kind of late in life, you know, but, you know, a lot of times you weren't expected to psych read, so I could go for, sort of work it out and memorize it. That's what I really did, you know. so. Um, but it was good. I mean, I learned a lot from being in college. And then, you know, the band started working more and more and more. So, when you guys first started, what kind of stuff were you doing? Like all oh, the cover stuff Bowie, Mata Hoople.
1: And at the beginning, D wasn't wearing makeup. But wasn't. No, none
0: of us were. And then when D joined the band, first we started out the way Wait, Wait, when of, D
1: joined the band? Yeah. He wasn't in the band at the beginning? at
0: first it was just the four of us. It was myself, Kenny Neal, uh, this drummer named Kevin John Grace, and uh, John, JJ. Mm-hmm. And he... You know, we sort of went out doing the thing, like the Rolling Stones kind of thing. You know, wearing capizios.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs>
0: we went through a Rolling Stones stage.
1: You
0: know. But it really wasn't working out. So we said, oh. we said we need yeah. a singer so we could just concentrate on playing guitar and have a real frontman kind of guy. So he, he was in a band called Peacock and he was miserable with them. And he, but the same agent was booking both of us. This guy. Named and Kevin. what kind of gigs are you doing? Just all these rock clubs in the suburbs, mm-hmm. you know, in Jersey, Connecticut. In fact, when, when he first told me that there's places that bands could play, I said, where? I said, not in, not in the city, you know. Because they didn't have that many live bands, but in the burbs, it was a, rock and roll was alive and well, you know. Yeah. So um, we decided to get Dee in the band, but well, we gave him an audition, but he was in a band called Peacock, and like I said, the same agent, a guy named Kevin Brenner, was booking. It was CTA. He booked all the big club bands, you mm-hmm. know, like Rat Race Choir, the Good Rats. So, you know, at that time, in that circuit, so, you know, little by little, you know, we just built a huge following, and we started getting so many people in these clubs. I mean, we could get 5,000 people in oh. the club on a Saturday, on a Wednesday night. Wow.
1: Playing covers.
0: Playing covers. Wow. So little by little, we started incorporating our originals. First it was 10%, then 20, then 30, then 40, 50, 60. and Then it got to the point where we could just play our originals. And
1: the club owners didn't give you a hard time about that? As
0: long as they were counting money, they didn't care.
1: Because, <laughs> I don't know, if you, do you remember the Rock and Roll Cafe on Bleecker Street? Yeah, that? I just, yeah, sure, That's I where I that. met you. Yeah. And that was like a cover-only club for the most part. And the guys used to have to sneak in
0: their originals. Yeah, I remember about, with uh, from the Cars. Um,
1: yeah, well, Easton was down. down yeah, down. a lot
0: of people with it. I remember Gene Cornish one time.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, it, was a fun ju- it was a fun night. It
0: was, I can't remember everybody that would come, but it was. P.P. Snow used to play down there, yeah. and, and
1: uh, the guys from uh, the e Street Band used to come in, Gary Talent used to come yeah. in, and Bobby Bandiera, and all those, g- but yeah. It was, a,
0: it was a fun hang. It started off on the west side of 23rd Street, right? That?
1: No, that was Spodiotti.
0: Spodiotti. But right. the Rock
1: and Roll Cafe was on Bleecker Street, next right. door to the Bitter I End. Had, yeah. Right.
0: I still have the t shirts somewhere. Yeah. Them, <laughs> Cadillac on it. Yes. That's
1: but, a, that's but, my shirt, but but right? <laughs> right. But yes. But in back in but in those days in it like in the village in the '80s, the bands used to have to play covers, and they would literally have to sneak in their originals because yeah. the owners yeah. wanted cover bands.
0: And, and a lot of the club owners didn't. If you packed the place and people were drinking, and we got people drinking. Yeah, I bet you did. I mean, because D used to just work them up and say, yeah, you got it. We we actually did uh, the gong show thing. Remember when the gong show was big? Yeah. We started doing the gong show on stage, like doing one of our sets. Yeah. Where we'd have people come on stage and drink as much as possible. Nice. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sure the
1: club owners just loved you guys. Well,
0: the thing was that, you know, they would bring like full bottles of booze and everybody would take a Sip until they couldn't do it, and one person would drop out. So we, they would, we would like have somebody, so they
1: passed out.
0: No, not they passed out, but we, we would have one person, everybody would have to sing like Sweet Jane, like yeah, a couple of sips and sing Sweet Jane. So when people started, when they started really sucking, we'd say, Should we gong them? Should we gong? Can we curse?
1: Say,
0: gong the motherfucker, and then boom, you know, I know it's Samuel Jackson probably copied, copied with that song, I don't know, with that word, but. Those two words, but um, yeah, we'd have people, so that, and one by one everybody would leave, but I mean, some people got so drunk, and one guy, uh, you know, people throwing up, it was just got to the point, yeah, it, was, it was weird, it got to the point where we had to stop doing it, because it, it started getting dangerous, you know, yeah.
1: Okay, but you guys... You weren't a big part,
0: were you a big partier? No, I mean we had our moments, but we weren't, the band was for the most part pretty normal. So, yeah. You know, as far as when we performed we never, you know, drank, maybe afterwards or at parties, but mm-hmm. on stage, you know, it was a hard, it's not the kind of band you could be. Very um, physical. Yeah, you couldn't be drunk with the kind of music we played, was high energy and you know, it was, everybody moved around a lot, you know, uh, so, you know, it wasn't that kind of band. So
1: what was the more, okay, so, when, so you start out you're doing covers, then you slowly are doing more and more originals, now you're doing only originals, now how did you go from here to like stadiums and, and well, arenas and
0: stuff? It was uh, gradual. Okay, you so know, how did, the, very, how did gra- that happen? Very gradual. It yeah. was, um, you know, from the clubs, first of all, it was, we wanted to get signed. Yeah. Um, that took a while, but finally uh, we heard this bu- big buzz about us in England.
1: How did they know about you guys if you weren't signed yet? I, the
0: thing was that somehow people had made tapes and sent them oh, over. Oh, the bootlegs. So, so there was a huge cult following about the band in England, you know. So this guy from, you know, we tried all the record labels in in the States and they all passed. And then um, this guy from England, he owned a company called Secret Records. And it definitely was a good name for them.
1: <laughs> because I mean, nobody knew about if, them? No, nobody <laughs> knew
0: about them. So. Uh, Secret Records really fit, but we, were, you know, we wanted to be signed, and so you know, it got us over to England, and then we started playing the Marquee Club, and the Marquee Club is like a real historical place. Yeah, yeah. You know? And um, we did so good playing there, it mm-hmm. was insane, like people were going crazy. So the first album came out, and we did pretty good, and then we came back to the States and did all the circus. Now we're just doing originals at this point.
1: And what kind of venues are you playing?
0: You know, like Speaks, uh, Like some bigger... ...Casino, really big clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hammerheads. You know, these clubs could hold two or 3,000 people. They were like oh. warehouses, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and they were, you know, they... They were more, you know, especially uh, in Brooklyn, the Moors in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. I mean, they were all like... They just... They loved us because we could bring the, the crowd in and they drank. You know I mean? They weren't just paying at the door. They were... So a lot of times we would just play for the door. You know, we were that.
1: Confident taking it because
0: we do a lot better, you know. And the couple was thrilled, you know. You
1: were better to take the door than to sometimes, yeah. Yeah, it gets two,
0: three thousand. We took a a little, you know, we made different deals with different people, but um, there was a lot of times that we would just pay for the door because we knew we'd get uh, a lot of people.
1: And so, did you guys have like a machine working for you that was promoting it,
0: or it was a little of everything? I mean, we. Yeah, we had, even before we got signed, we had to put out our own singles. You know, uh, the "Bad Boys of Rock and Roll" on, our, on Twisted Sister Records, and we distributed them. We had our tour manager go uh, to all the you know, record shops around. There used there used to be a thing and called record records, shops. and they had rec-
1: and they were so, they sold in record stores. 45s. Oh God! Yeah, yeah, with those little discs that you used to have to put in the thing to put it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah.
0: So that's how, you know, little by little it just got bigger and bigger, and then we got signed to Atlantic Records, and once we got signed to Atlantic Records, and that happened in Eng- England also, oh. uh Secret Records had gone under, mm-hmm. so we came back here, and then we sort of raised some money to go back to England, because we got invited to do this show called The Tube, and The Tube, in England at the time, was, there would, like 9 million people would watch that show. One of the biggest shows in England, and they'd wow. always have a band play live. You know? Uh huh. So, we. Um, this
1: is is this the eighties already? This is the
0: eighties, early eighties. Uh-huh. You know, uh, so we go there and play. Uh, you know, and all these all these people saw that show that night, and Phil Carson happened to be there, uh, who's president of Atlantic in in England, mm-hmm. and he was there with Mick Jones from Foreigner. Not bad. Yeah. So, Mick Jones said, hey, I want to stay and watch this band because I hear that. I'm on the radio in New York because there's a place here. Mm-hmm. He says, when I'm driving around, I hear like <laughs> Twisted Sister speaks <laughs> Twisted Like they're playing every like, every 10 minutes, I'm hearing that they're playing something. And
1: they're playing something that <laughs> you, oh, from from Secret Records.
0: Well, no, the thing no. was, we were the, the clubs we were still playing. So, so, that's why he was curious to see what we were about. Okay. He had just heard the, the commercials, mm-hmm. the music. A couple of stations picked us up, like PLJ, and uh, but you know at that time we didn't get regular airtime. Mm-hmm. It was just the, all the clubs we were playing were doing advertisements,
1: ah. and
0: you know the name was constantly being broadcasted about where we were playing. Right. You know, so when he stayed, he said like, "Well, I want to sign these guys. I don't want to meet them, but I want to sign them." I don't want to meet him? Yeah, that was his big joke. He didn't want to meet us. Eventually he had to meet us. So the next night he went to the Marquee Club and saw us, and he told our manager that uh, you know, offer us a record deal with Atlantic Records. So, uh, and the thing was, Atlantic Records, here in America, Doug Morris mm-hmm. didn't want to sign us. So, I mean, there was a guy called Jason Flom that was a big A&R guy, and he wanted to... Uh, trying to get us get signed here in America. Uh, Doug Morris said, if you mention them one more time, you're going to get fired. So he had to stop, but then we got signed in England. Nice. And then Phil called them and said, look, well, I turned mm-hmm. that band down. He says, well, I'm signing them. So cool. it, it kind of forced them to. Accept you. Accept know, <laughs> us to work with us. So after that, when we did the two show, also Lemmy from Motorhead
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Rabo came on stage and did a, Rock and roll, but I like it, and that was another big thing in England because Motorhead at the time was one of the biggest. Huge, yeah. So his endorsement, you know, Mm -hmm. Lemmy endorsing Mm -hmm. us made us like you know, shit in England. So, so, um,
1: so wait, you're in England, you're on this show, nine million people are watching, your life has to be changing at this point. Yeah,
0: everything really started taking off after that. We've got, we started. Got signed to Atlantic, we started uh, doing the second album, Can't Stop Rock and Roll. And that's when you know things started building, and building. We came back here, we toured with Blackfoot and Crocus, you know, all throughout the United States. And, um, and then the next tour we did, when we did Stay Hungry. We toured with Iron Maiden for uh, about a year. We toured all of Canada and all of the United States, and that was a great tour, the, the Power Slave tour, the, the World Slavery tour, I think it was called. And, you know that was 17 to the 20,000 people a night and the thing was people were there to see us too
1: yeah
0: because even though Iron Maiden was headlining at 8 o'clock the place was full
1: that's that's like unheard.
0: yeah you usually people are just walking in. walking in, in
1: not paying attention yeah, don't care. Ooh, yeah.
0: and we got the crowd so fired up that Maiden loved us you know other bands wouldn't like that, you know, like, save, right. you, save us a little bit, you know, Maiden right, right. <laughs> was like, go ahead, go all out, you know, Good. and then they came out, and they were always, they were always great band, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah, so now, know, how's, your, how's your
1: life changing, Eddie, like, out, uh, off the stage, what's happened, what's, like, people recognizing you in life, what, what's going on?
0: Um, Not I, so much? I don't get recognized that much. People just know I'm in a band, but they can't figure out. I just get that look like, in a band? I said, yeah. I said, well, what band? If you don't know, is it worth me saying anything? Or like, well, then you say the band, and then they go like, oh, I never heard of you. Oh, come on. Yeah, that's so it's like a lot of times it's, you want to be nice to somebody, but then, and then sometimes when people believe you, they go, no, you're not in that band, you're lying. <laughs> okay, I'm lying. No, But uh, it's just one of those things that uh, it just gradually built, you know, more and more and more, and then, you know, it got to a point where we kind of imploded when we did uh, Love is for Circles album. Mm-hmm. We went out on that tour, we didn't have much support, and uh, things started sort of fading, you know, we did too much too soon. Mm-hmm. And eventually that led to the band breaking up.
1: And so okay, so now the band breaks up, this is all you've done in your life. How, how old do you when the band breaks up? Um
0: I think I was thirty
1: five. And so what do you do now that you, you, you're playing yeah, to true. twenty thousand I mean, people? You can't
0: look in the New York Times on their art for Rockstar 1. You must have a serious drinking <laughs> the problem. You know, but, must
1: uh, have a serious drinking problem. You know, <laughs> So,
0: so what, so you're 35, what do you do? Well, everything you did possible, you know, I've had a lot of weird jobs. Like what? Uh, like driving, uh, doing, a, doing a chauffeur thing for a while, and I, I tried to get into that business, you know, with, with, with limos and stuff, and I was just, didn't work out. A lot of things didn't sort of pan out, but luckily my wife's worked, and you know, sometimes things would happen, I would get, something would, just come out of nowhere, and you know we were able to get by. But
1: well, you you were yeah. good with the money when you were making the money. You I was I was good
0: with it. It's just that it, it wasn't that much, and we broke up. By the time we broke up, it was we had already spent a lot of money on on stage. We had this really, really elaborate stage for come out and play, mm-hmm. and the stage alone cost like three hundred thousand dollars to make, I mean, we were doing really expensive videos. You know, at the time, you think like it's gonna last it's forever. It's not it like it went up anybody's nose or anything. Right. This is like we reinvested it in ourselves. You know, mm-hmm. just doing stuff, to, but it was always we spent a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We thought that it would never stop, you know, right. Right, and eventually we'll cash in. but So we broke up at a really bad time economically. Uh, so, you know, there was, you know, we were okay for a while, you know, mm-hmm. but then, uh, you know, we all had to do different different jobs, you know, I mean. And I played with a wedding band for a while, which was actually really good.
1: What must it be like that you're getting married and your band comes in and somebody goes, isn't that the guy... I mean, oh, they they, to be, like, oh, they true. used to exploit it. I mean,
0: we used to do we're not going to take it. It was a... Uh,
1: movie, yeah,
0: yeah. but I can't even imagine, like, people at the wedding are like,
1: what? Well, they loved it. Yeah, it like, I, I like, mean, it's...
0: Oh, so <laughs> <laughs> it was a good selling point. Hell
1: yeah, I would think
0: so. And, uh, wedding bands get paid well. Yeah. And uh, this band, a band called Visione, it was an Italian wedding band. And they had a, they already had a really big reputation. And mm-hmm. they were a big band, and they also made... Uh, Good money, so you know. And luckily, at that time, a lot of people. I mean, most of the weddings we played were Italian weddings. But, yeah. Uh, you know, everybody wanted a live band, and we used to. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, all the different styles of music. What I liked about it was I was learning all these different styles of music, like from Frank Sinatra to like. You know, we're not to Twisted System. <laughs> we did all kinds of stuff. A lot of, of course a lot of the Italian classic stuff. You know, but. Uh, right. And. Um, it was funny, because uh, it was good, I liked it, they were all great guys, and I mean, was, we Was that humbling,
1: or was it good?
0: It was good, because, I mean, this this band had lights and a road crew, we had a wedding band with a road crew, you know, so I was like... You know, <laughs> this, this feels familiar. Yeah, this a, they were a big band, they were an established band, so it was, I, I really had a lot of fun playing with them. Of course it's not like Twisted playing in front of 70,000 people. right? The thing about the wedding, it was always, you know, everybody was always in a happy. good mood. Everybody was happy. <laughs> Nobody wanted to, you'd have to worry about filling the, the seats, you know. It was like a guaranteed <laughs> audience, you know, yeah. so. And we all got paid well, so it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I'm still friends with those guys, too. But uh, once the band got back together.
1: Okay, so uh, how did that, how did that happen?
0: What, the band got Yeah. Well, 9-11, you know. Uh, and we did a benefit the uh, policemen and firemen at the, uh, on 34th Street, the Manhattan Center, I forgot what it's called now. It was they it like the armory or something? No, no. it's on 34th, 34th Street. Uh, I can't remember. My
1: mother used to live on 34th and Park. What
0: was 34th and? This is like Broadway or, uh-huh. here, you know, on the west side. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't remember the name of it.
1: Well, 34th the on the west side is, is Madison Square Garden no? Well, the garden oh, yeah. is there,
0: but this is... Um, Can't remember the name. Anyway, yeah, it's you know it was a thing called metal, something metal, something metal. (laughs) But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. I mean, I'm sure we could look it up. But it was you know we played. It was Ace, Freely. uh, We headlined there. Ace Freely, Sebastian Bach, uh, and oddly enough, Anthrax played. You know, and Overkill. I think Overkill was on the bill too. So there was a little bit of because of the benefit was. And what happened in New York with mm-hmm. 9-11, you know, people were a little upset about the band Overkill and, and band called Anthrax, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, <laughs> <but> it, the,
1: <laughs> I didn't even think of it till.
0: Yeah, but yeah. It, it wasn't okay. done on purpose. It was just like they were, they wanted to help. You know, they were like hardcore metal oh, bands. Oh, God, you know?
1: Anthrax, right. That was when that was all going around. Oh,
0: my God. Yeah, they were like hard, you know, really hardcore metal, so. But it was, you know, I mean, we. it was a great turnout. I mean, we raised uh, over $100,000. Nice. You know, and the price was packed out, and that, that caused a whole vibe again. Then all these offers started coming in for the band to get back together, you know. And at first it was like, but then it got to a point where like, well, we we'll don't do this if We're stupid, you know. Mm-hmm. And none of us were really happy at our jobs, and we all had kind of weird jobs. And, and um... Did you did you
1: guys stay friends when you were
0: On and off. On and off. I mean, yeah. uh, I kind of stayed friends with D the most yeah. um, and AJ. Uh, for a while, you know, two of the guys I didn't talk to for a long time. There was a little you know, there was a little bit of personal stuff stuff going on between it happened yeah. with every band. Yeah. You know? But nothing you know, there was nothing ever, really, nothing really bad ever happened. Yeah. You know, it was just egotistical stuff. It wasn't like somebody stole someone's wife or something like. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that stuff happens around That stuff happens, and that's that kind of stuff is not forgivable. You know, like yeah. we never had anything that bad. And some some bands that happens too, and they still get back together. You know, so um, but it wasn't anything that personal. You mm-hmm. know, that's my point. Or something that would hurt you that much. Right, like a family thing. But, um, you know, we got back together and we started doing these festivals, you know, and they wanted us to headline. You know, and then we started headlining these festivals and I, it ended up being bigger than we ever were. I mean, last know, year we were, you know, like, grass is 70,000 people. Wow. And we were headlining, you know, and uh, there was one festival where Yes opened for us, Wow! Je- yes and Jethro Tull opened for ah, us, I love and I was it. like, I remember Jethro Tull to me, or, or, or I saw them at the Fillmore yes. East in like 1971, yeah.
1: Jethro
0: Tull. Yeah, they oh, were okay. like, so now for them opening, I'm, I'm wow. sure they were, didn't dig it too much, but you know, <laughs> it was kind of funny them opening for us, so I never thought that would happen, you know, but in Europe, uh, we're still doing, very big, you know, bigger than ever, even in the 80s, because back in the 80s when we did those festivals, we would be like the 4th on the bill, 4th or 5th, you know, uh, go on early, you Mm -hmm. know, weren't the the closers, but on uh, the last 13 years have been amazing. That's so
1: fantastic, and are are you enjoying it?
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it, I mean, we're, we stopped touring now, I mean, we're still a band, you know, it's not like the business stopped, you know, we're still going to be putting stuff out, and occasionally we might do an appearance here and there, you know, but uh, last year was the last touring year
1: you know,
0: so is that like, by choice? Yeah, it's sort of everybody's you know, we the travelling was tough. I mean who knows, I never say never even though. But it, the travelling was just so hard on us, you know, because we were doing all these fly ins. So, you know, it, it got to the point where going to Europe, going to England, I was going through Heathrow and changing planes and it felt like I was on the Long Island Railroad. <laughs> you know, like commuting to you know, <laughs> Brussels and then coming back Monday, like yeah, that's like pretty six weird. Six hours differences. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know? As a matter of fact, the, the I normally if we weren't in New York, if we were in L.A., we'd be in a studio, uh in TV, and they do the ultimate jam at the Whiskey. Right, and right. two weeks ago, Dee was at the Whiskey and did the ultimate jam.
0: Yeah, that was for David. Uh, David... Uh, right, they did a... Yeah. Um, Benefit. Yes. Well, it wasn't really, it was a tribute, more like right. a memorial. David C. Unfortunately, he got killed in an accident. I don't know if you know, Adrenaline Mob. He was on tour with a band called Adrenaline Mob, and they pulled over to fix a tire, and a truck ran into them. Oh, stop! Yeah, they all got. One of the their tour manager was, was a girl. She's a, I think she's still in a coma. Oh, when did
1: this happen? Recently?
0: Like two, three weeks ago.
1: Oh, so it was it was. Brand
0: new. Yeah, we did one here in LA, in New York, over at uh, I forget the name of that place too, with uh, down on 14th Street, 15th Street. Um, I know what it used to be. It used to be the Palladium. It's not the Palladium. Palladium was was different. This I can't think of the name of the. Everybody plays there. But anyway, it's a nice venue, and we um, yeah you know, we did the benefit for him. Band called Rubik's Cube. They do like a whole '80s tribute. I know the place on 14th. Not the uh, not
1: what
0: used to be the Ritz. No. No, not the Ritz. Um, no. It's on oh, okay. the top of my head if I think yeah. about it. But, you know, but I would have to look it up. Uh, something. It'll come to you when uh, when I'm But anyway, that. it was. Uh, you know, it was. It was touching. It was, mm-hmm. and the thing was, AJ Paro, our drummer, died. He was on tour with this band when he died. This is like three years ago. So this is really personal. Yeah, it was, it's really strange. I mean, you know, and he was going to leave that day because he was going to s- go to the doctor because he was supposed to start touring with us. And that night he died. Oh. You know, uh, John had spoke to him on the phone. He said, yeah, I mean, you know, this is my last night. Uh, he had a heart
1: attack?
0: Yeah, a heart attack.
1: Did you know Louis Apel?
0: That sounds familiar. He,
1: he played with, um, John Eddy at the end, but he played with, um, oh God, a little pop star, but at, in the Rock and Roll Cafe, he played with Tony Bruno and, and Tommy Burns and those guys. They were uh, BAC. And he was uh, called me from Vegas, come on, get in the car, put your pajamas on, get in the car. He was playing with John Eddy in, in Vegas, and they found him the next morning. He had a heart attack and died in the
0: hotel. I mean, what uh, drummers, boy. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. So he, uh, it's just, you know, this. They unfortunately it had a lot of uh, tragedy, you know. And this guy was thirty-eight years old, really, you know, uh, really great musician. All
1: right, all right. So let's let's talk about happy yeah. things. So okay, so life changes. When did you get into food? How'd you get on Chopped? How did that happen?
0: Well, that's the whole thing happened with my hot sauce. Which know? is
1: which is all right. So yeah. we're gonna we're gonna hold up the hot sauce.
0: Okay, this is the so, apple. All right, it's so, like the mildest one. It's like a three out of ten. Th- ten being insanely hot. That's Do
1: you, right. you have a ten?
0: No. All right, good. No.
1: Ten kills people, right? Yeah,
0: it's like to, yeah, it's like to me, I don't want something that's unedible. But some people want that, you know, that blowtorch. Yeah, but kind then of, you don't
1: taste anything. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right, so then, all right, so that's this, a three. What's this? This
0: is the cherry. It's like a five out of ten heat wise. And? and this is like seven or eight. Wow!
1: Yeah,
0: this is the uh, peach Carolina Reaper. Carolina Reaper is the hottest pepper in the world, right? Now.
1: Now, okay. So, what are people? What are people putting a seven on? What, what uh, you can put <laughs> it on
0: anything: eggs, and, hot and dogs. I've seen people put them on hot dogs, hamburgers, or in their soup. Some in their soup. So.
1: And this does not get. Can you still taste your food when you're doing
0: yeah. a seven? Yeah. You can. Uh, so it depends. Everybody has a different. Right. You know, like people have different. Threshold. Pain, yeah. pain levels. Mm-hmm. Like one person takes a lot one Viking and then they're stone another <laughs> guy could take ten, you know, so who knows.
1: Alright, so so what happens first? This so or chopped? How how do you get into food? Well,
0: this this was uh, a friend of mine named John Rosati, he had a wing sauce out. And I told him like, you know, I'd like to do a hot sauce. Yeah. He, he says well,
1: now What now like what makes that, you want to do a hot sauce? By the way, this is like called Eddie Ojeda's twisted
0: Hot sauce. There we go. Right and the there. website is twistedhotsauce.com. Okay, we're gonna we're
1: gonna
0: put one on on, on, yeah. on the stuff. But um, in fact, I had a, some problems with it. Like I, I don't know if I told you, for two weeks I wasn't working with it. Oh right. yeah? yeah. but now I've fixed it all up. But um, yeah. Yeah, I got I talked to my friend John. And I said, I said, can you help me with this? So you know, he helped me out because he's he's a pretty good chef, you know. And, uh,
1: and why do you want to do hot sauce? Because <laughs> I like hot
0: sauce so I wanted to do my own. It's like you know, like some guys like wine, and want yeah, to do yeah. wine. You
1: know. Have you ever been to that store in LA where it's just all hot sauce, that's it? Y- yeah. Is I there around? There are other there,
0: places. Oh, there's yeah. a lot yeah. of them. There's oh, yeah. Pepper Palace, you know. Are you in there?
1: Are you in yeah. those stores? Yeah, yeah Pepper Palace.
0: Another mm-hmm. thing, Firehouse, saw was They there's another place that has them. I don't think they sell them retail, but um, there's another place called California Tortilla, which is funny because they're all on the East Coast. There really? are 38 different stores. But they have like this uh, wall of flame
1: yeah.
0: where you can buy a, a bottle of the hot sauce, you know, and they have, they'll have like a hundred different hot sauces, for right. like four deep. And then the, the, the one in the front, you could use for it as a taste. So that's a good way for people to taste it and, you know. That's smart. They decide and they can do, do
1: ten and then they're on the floor. and they're
0: Well, this you know, people just, you know, try different ones when they go there, but at least they can buy it if they like something, they can buy it there too, which is. It's a pretty good. It's a fast food place, but mm-hmm. um, they're, they're, it's a very smart thing to have because they're selling retail as well. It's, right. Uh, that's just uh, just food, and um, you know. So I, yeah, we, they, they have they have my cherry. I don't know if they have the other ones yeah. Okay. So
1: now, you know, so you decide you want to have your own hot sauce, right. and how do you come up with the for? How do you come up with like the Well, the we tried
0: different. You know, I worked with my friend. We said let's do a habanero, and then the cherry was. Something that I used to eat cherries because I had gout you know, a long time ago. For a while, I just get really bad gout in my bunion. And, uh, this is what this is
1: aging rock star stuff. That this is what happens. It happened you to young kings too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, but no, because, because they ate like really rich foods, you know. There you go. But I wasn't in that case. That wasn't me. You know, I was <laughs> always eating like really healthy stuff. So. Really? Yeah, I've always been. a... Pretty good with that, uh-huh. you know. But um, you know, it was just I decided to do the cherry thing. I said, let's do a cherry. You know, does anybody have a cherry hot sauce? And nobody had made one yet. So that was a good reason to do it. Pick a cherry hot sauce. So I wanted to do something sweet with, you know, that wasn't. It was just different. So what's
1: the best thing to
0: eat with cherry hot sauce? Anything. I mean, no, come on. I'm serious. I mean, you could. I can't just. What steak do you use it for? Really? Yeah, as I say, you can mix it with ketchup or mustard huh. if you want to spice up the uh-huh. ketchup a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, you can add hot sauce to anything. I, mean, I, I use hot have, sauce in a it, lot even of things. It's actually uh, it it burns fat. Of, it, that's right, it speeds up your metabolism. <laughs> it does, it really yes, does. It does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> you lose like 20 pounds if you buy this.
1: <laughs> and, the, and the 7 must be really good. good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Especially those last 10 pounds that people want to lose. That's it. The ones that keep coming back. Uh, yeah. Uh,
1: Alright,
0: so now, how do, you, so how do you get on Chopped? Well, uh, our tour manager and our booking agent, you know, he um, just called me up and said, you're a food guy, right? Mm-hmm. I, go, I said, yeah. He said, do you want to be on Chopped? And I said, what's Chopped? Because you know, <laughs> I hadn't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he says, well, they're doing a the whole rock thing with Lita Ford, Kelly Hansen, and uh, Dweezil Zappa, and they want to know if you want to be on it, because, you know, you have a hot sauce out, and I said, yeah, sure, you know, sounds great, you mm-hmm. know, so, um, that day, I started, they sent me a couple of episodes, and then I started watching on the internet, because I didn't know what the show was about, uh-huh. you know? and there was a celebrity one with uh, a couple of different actors, Yeah. And that's the one I saw, and then, it, it was, it was interesting, but, because I hadn't, some of, the, some of the other contestants were into the show and had watched it for a while. So it was a little hard for me because I had to sort of get get into this in two days, you know, like Right, what right. it was about. And, uh,
1: and did, were you like, did you do you cook at home? I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm into cooking. Yeah, uh, You know, uh-huh. I have a
0: really nice kitchen. Mm-hmm. People would get pissed off when they see my kitchen. You know, <laughs> it's a big part of it. <laughs> I love a good kitchen. Yeah, I like, you know, the perfect L kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, so. mm-hmm. So a lot of people, they go like, I hate you.
1: So what? what's like, What? what's your like special stuff? What, what's your special stuff to cook?
0: Uh, I don't know, I do like everything. I just sort of put stuff together. I don't, I don't think about. It. No something. recipes. Yeah, sometimes I'll go buy you know, something that I see, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe change it up a little bit. Um, you know, I've, uh, I have a couple of recipes on my website that I've done with John Rosati, mm-hmm. you know. But a lot of times I kind of just throw stuff together. But I mean, I'm good at cooking chicken or peppers and things like that. So what did you what would you cook on chopped? Uh, well, they gave us the first round was uh, was jam. <laughs> if you watch the episode, that's is a it very, on the U- is very, it on YouTube? Can I find it, it? It's on the it's on the they have their uh, their website. Oh, okay. You can see it. Uh huh. Yeah, it's on there, um, and they show it. They show it occasionally. So i can, sometimes I've been recognized from chopped have and twisted sister. Played for seventy thousand <laughs> people, people, if, but if people have come up. I saw you on chopped, man. I'm like chopped. So, That's uh, right. But um, you know, it's you can see the stuff. But anyway, they give us jam, uh, chicken legs two other ingredients. They give you like four surprise ingredients in a basket. Yeah. Um, tortillas mm-hmm. and a bottle of champagne. Nice. <laughs> and you're supposed to make something like that. Okay. So I fried the tortillas and the champagne with a little oil.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then, that sounds good. And then I, I cut off, I deboned it, that's the right word, uh or well, the chicken off the
1: mm-hmm.
0: chicken legs, and I fried them because they had one of those deep fryers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have an awesome kitchen. I mean, that's yeah. everything you can imagine. You've seen the show, right? Yeah, I have. So... The only thing is, you got to go behind everybody because this in front of you. People don't realize everybody has like three or four guys with cameras in front of them. That's how they get all the f- footage of cooking. Right,
1: right. Cooking. Uh huh.
0: And every time you go to do something, they come behind you. And so play, they're in, in the way. A little bit. They're, they're very good though. Mm-hmm. They know how to. They know back off. They're mm-hmm. very. I mean, they they, got, they they know what they're doing. But the only thing is, there's like, you know, like 12 guys in front of you know in front of you with cameras, like 12. Is that and, intimidating? Uh, no, I don't think. I didn't even think about it yeah. to be honest with you, because I guess from doing so many shows, mm-hmm. and to me it's just was in the room. You don't know, think about oh, there's seventy million people watching. This, <laughs> like, you know, like the guy who told Paul McCartney that before he sang. Uh, you know that story? No. Uh, well, the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, I think the third or fourth time. Paul was going to do it yesterday by himself. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, the, one of the guys, one of the camera guys, said, "Are you nervous, kid?" He goes like. No, why should I be nervous? He says, There's going to 70 million people are going to be watching you <laughs> in about two minutes. He goes, but well, now I'm nervous. <laughs> so then you, know, you see the sweat on, like what he was doing yesterday. But um, yeah, it was one of those things, I don't think about it. Just It mm-hmm. was studios, just, you know, the judges. And and uh, it, it was kind of hard because you had to go behind everybody. And mm-hmm. sometimes people would get mad, like, like you know, if you got in their way, you know, somebody's mm-hmm. going to cook something. and. You know, the kitchen can be annoying when somebody's in your way. Yeah, 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 you know?
1: yeah, like too many cooks in the kitchen, that yeah, expression, to, but it's uh, true. Yeah,
0: kidneys, so yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so, okay, so you made, you fried your chicken. Yeah,
0: I fried the chicken, and then I took out the, took out the tortillas, mm-hmm. I sliced some tomatoes, mm-hmm. and um, so I used the, that, and then I put jam on, on the tomatoes. Everybody made tacos, I made like an open face. Uh, Tostada, a to- kind of <laughs> thing. <laughs> they said they were impressed the way I chopped the tomatoes. So at least, and one thing they said, how come you didn't use peppers? I said, well, I you know, I, I thought that was too obvious, you know. Because you're in a hot sauce. I said, you know, I'm doing a hot sauce <laughs> thing, so I kind of said, and I just didn't want to overdo it. I just oh. wanted to stay, wanted to keep it simple mm-hmm. because you have 20 minutes. I mean, you know,
1: that's not a lot of time. And you
0: got to plate everything, you know, and that's another thing you have to. Did keep you make it look? Like, yeah, I made it look good. Yeah. Yeah, but.
1: So what? So what? One. Huh? What one?
0: I forgot. I know Kelly Hansen won, but I, I don't want to spoil it. If okay. everybody hasn't seen all right. it. All right. All right. You should just see it. Yeah. I just remember the word jam. Jam.
1: Because
0: right? it was that was a very funny part of the. Okay. It's worth it just for that. Okay,
1: I'm gonna go check it out. Jada. shops Eddie yeah. Ojeda. Okay. I
0: like jam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, all right. So so we're getting we're getting. To the end here. So here you are, you've got a hot sauce line. You're once in a while playing with Twisted Sister. Is is there anything else that you haven't done in your life that you still want to do? What do you
0: think? Um, Well, music is kind of like the first step. I I definitely would like to get into acting, some kind of film. Nice. Always admired that. Have you ever done it? I've done theater. What'd you do? I did Kismet. I was with a group called the Alliance of Latin Arts. My wife got me, that's when I met her. She got me into this theater group. And, uh, you know, we used to do all these Latin shows and stuff like that, it was pretty cool. That Kismet was one of the, at the Damrush Park in Lincoln mm-hmm. Center. Mm-hmm. So we did Kismet there one summer. Um, that's, you know, and I've done a few things, little things here and there. We have Pee Wee Herman's movie. <clears throat> do you know
1: Miss um, Ivan? From Pee-wee Herman, she's the one with the big hair. That's that's a good friend, Lynn Stewart. She's a good friend. She's in all the Pee-wee stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's um.
0: Uh, well, that was Tim Burton's first uh, debut. Really? Yeah, that was his first movie. Was debut. it really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, I, I found that. Uh, that's the first time I met I met I met him, Tim Burton. Him and uh, Pee-wee Herman. Well, Paul. hmm Uh, he was you know I go on the trailer. I was the first one to get there and you know. I met them and then I found out that that was his first movie directing. Wow. It's actually a funny story that happened on the lot. I yeah. Just, I just thought of, you know, the people who heard in bike right? Mm-hmm. So, this is another thing, I really I really love bike riding. That's another thing that I wanted to do when I was a teenager. I thought about being professional. Competitive? Yeah. Like wow. Even try to get Olympic with it. I used to really ride a lot. I mean, at 40 miles a day, I was driving. Wow. Yeah. Um, do you still? I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as much this year. Uh, last year I got a lot of riding done, but, you know, when it gets too hot, it's like, it's, yeah. it's not fun, yeah. you know, so in the, in the fall and spring I like to ride a lot, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, so anyway, I'm, I'm into bike riding, I like bikes, so they had 10, people 100 bikes, you know, in case one breaks, whatever, Right. so me, you know, being who I am, I just, Off a bike. I, I didn't think anything of it, <laughs> I talked talk to them, there's 10 of them, you know, so I'm riding along the lot, like, you know, and i got all these guys screaming at me, you know, like, get on that bike, man. It's like, so what happened, man? I'm not stealing it. I'm not leaving with it. You know, and um, like they said, well, that bike costs $10,000. Those bikes cost $10,000 to make. I said, well, you got beat, man, because <laughs> that ain't worth $10,000. Nice. But I got to ride one of them. So it was, that was a pretty good kick, even though I got in trouble. But, That's uh, hysterical. Yeah, it was. it was. I didn't think anybody would get mad, you know. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was like definitely for having,
1: you know. Right, go for it, right. You know. So Eddie, tell okay. me, so this is this show's called The Road Taken because what I the intention is is to help people who are still trying to figure out how to merge creativity and commerce, something that you've managed to do your whole life. Mm-hmm. So what do, you, what do you think you have though? You yeah, know, you, you took the thing that you love and you said you didn't have a plan B really, not really oh, like no. so what do you think pushed you? How did you have success? What do you What do you think?
0: Well, I think originally, you know, the band everybody was very driven and had the same mindset, and that's what you have to do. You have to work with people that are you know, if you're going to be in a group. You know, you have to work with people that are in that same frame of mind. And so everybody was so, in like, yeah, you we're push each other. Yeah. yeah, we're going to make it no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. Had I been a solo artist, maybe it would have been a little bit different, mm-hmm. more difficult. You know, uh, it's definitely a tough road. You know, especially like in acting or anything. You know, you go through some really tough times trying to get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because you think about some of these actors now, like making sixty million dollars a year in one year, and, but they're all they were all there at that one time where you know it was they're just a, dream. a dumb kid in high school, you right. know? So. Sometimes it's but it's persistence, I think. You talk to anyone else, we've talked to a lot but you know those people they they, they paid their dues to yeah. get where they are. Yeah. No nobody gives you anything, you know. And you just have to have that kind of personality where you just not gonna let things get in your way. Did you ever
1: have yeah. the conversation with your parents? Like
0: Oh, you know, like, they said I'd never make it So until so, I made it. And then, okay, so, and then they said, oh, I knew you. had I, I knew. I always knew. I said, what? <laughs>
1: you,
0: you, you said it was a joke. You said you'll never make it. Guitar, really? Get a real job. I mean, they forget all I had that memorized, man, for all those people. You know, they, they weren't the only ones. But after it happened, oh, you know, I always believed in you. I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> I always believed in you. Yeah. So, when so. They, was I sleeping?
1: But but that had to be. But they know that you know that they know. No, they they know. Know, know, yes, all of that. You know that they yeah, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Eddie, so do you have a guilty pleasure? Is there anything that? Um, oh. Yeah. So is there anything that? Be, I like to ask people this because it's sort of humbling to like. Is there anything that you? do like watch eats that that like you're a little embarrassed about or you wouldn't want anybody else to watch you do it
0: yeah certain tv shows like what like the housewives shows
1: like oh, really
0: yeah like which like the new york uh,
1: housewives of new, new york, york City, yeah no kidding uh,
0: like, do you know all this,
1: like, you know all
0: the... the yeah, I, I actually know their names. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I always want to, like, kill myself after, like, I take, take an hour of my life that I'll never get back, you know.
1: Yeah, for some the, reason.
0: You, you gotta watch. I gotta watch it, And yeah. uh, Do you,
1: like, do you set the, the, the DVR for it and everything? Yeah, well, yeah. I'll,
0: I'll blame my wife for that but I, you know, I'm not complaining. <laughs> so,
1: so, all right, so the house, so, so, so
0: have like, a, like some have of a, those dumb shows, yeah. You
1: know, do you have
0: like a favorite you know, one? I'm sure they're nice people, I'm, yeah. I, you know, I have nothing against them, but, <laughs> yeah. and I, you know, but they have to know that it's a dumb show, it's their show's are dumb, you know, but, um, Yeah, that's the only thing, I mean, I'm not, I don't feel bad about eating pizza or, I no. oh, and stuff no. like that so no. there's nothing uh you know no, I or think watching, wine or whatever you know I think watching the so, is so. a pretty good
1: guilty pleasure yeah it,
0: that's that's something that you know it's definitely like you don't want to tell people like, <laughs> you, know, cause I, you know I've been to parties where like all oh, the guys are and sometimes that happens at the party the guys are in one spot the you know, right, one right. Or another. Mm-hmm. so i don't know so like don't I'll,
1: tell me the other guys watch the housewife shows
0: well I asked them and nobody said, well, I don't know what you're talking about, man. And then all the women know what I'm talking about, so I start talking to them about it. <laughs> and I'm saying, they don't can say to myself, I bet you those guys watch that show. Because their wives Their girlfriends and wives are watching it. <laughs> they're watching. They just don't want to admit it.
1: Absolutely. You know? So Absolutely. Well, Eddie, thank you so much for, for schlepping sure. for into the city, coming up to my mom's house, doing this, bringing us hot sauce. Thank you all for uh for coming uh, to another edition of The Road Taken, live from New York for the very first time. And uh, we'll see you next week, next Wednesday, 7 Pacific time, 10 Eastern time. Uh, thanks for being Hasta here.
0: Vista, baby.